Gilmore Interior Design is a full-service interior design studio. Based in Sydney, their multi-award winning studio is built on creativity, collaboration and exceptional service. To find out more, go to www.gilmoreid.com.au. Well, hi all, it's Ali Abel here and I'm thrilled to be speaking today with business owner and founder of Gilmore Interior Designs, Jenny Gilmore. Jenny, thank you so much for chatting with me today. My pleasure. I'll put on you. Look, I was only thinking about it the other day, about the first time that our paths crossed. And I think it was when I was just starting out as a, a rookie about 12 or 13 years ago when I started with Anglicare. And at the time, I think Gilmore were doing some design work for Malabar, Malabar Edge Care. Oh, that, it was going back quite some years ago. Yeah, yeah. From that time, I've always been very impressed with your work and certainly what you do within the industry. But look, I just, I wanted to have a bit of a chat to you today and find out a little bit more about, you know, you, your company, and yeah, just talk about some of the things that you're seeing as challenges and things that are working really well within the industry at the moment. But first of all, tell me a little bit about the birth of Gilmore Interior Design. How did it all begin for you? I started the company in the early 90s after several years working as an interior designer in um, large architectural practices. And I'd always had a passion about having my own business and the freedom that that could give me and control of my own destiny, I guess. So I'd had a lot of experience across hotel design, hospital design and commercial design, which gave me a good step to start to find my own projects. And I really landed quite a large residential project and that allowed me to start up my own company. And really started working from a home office to begin with and it grew from there of outgrew the home office and moved into offices in Balmain. Fantastic. I love the location of your offices. Quite often go past on the um, River Cat. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I've even bumped into you at the um, the sailing club once or twice over the years. Yeah. There's something about working with a view of the water that is very calming. Without question. Yeah. So was it something that you always wanted to do, you know, since early on in life, wanted to be a designer? I knew I wanted to do something creative. I didn't really know how that would pan out specifically but as I finished school I applied to do architecture and Mm. I actually did architecture for a year and it was whilst doing that on campus there was an interior design course this is in South Australia where I studied and after the first 12 months I saw the graduate exhibition for the interior design year and I looked at it and I thought this is what I really want to be doing funny I um when I finished business college I thought oh, I might try a bit of uh, interior design myself and um anyway I had to do a, an application to get into the course and failed miserably so I'm now doing what I'm doing <laughs> but look, no doubt like any business starting from ground there's um some challenges and hurdles in those early days what would you say some of those hurdles were for you I think having your own business or starting my own business I really discovered that early days you have to do everything yourself you know I sought advice from other people with regards to management and financial setting up of the business. But starting on a smaller scale and having come from larger firms, you know, I found I was really on the ground having to do everything myself, which was exciting. And I guess the other challenge was finding the right staff, people who were as passionate about what I was doing as I was. And I mean, I I can see just how important that is um, to you, just looking through your website and looking at, you know, your values and various different things like that. Obviously, the right team and the right people around you was, you know, really critical for you. Yeah, it is. And I think for me, it's reflected in that the people I have working for me have been with me for a long time. Some of them have left and gone and worked somewhere else for a couple of years and come back. So it's a really tight-knit group. 
Oh, that's fantastic. We're certainly starting to see design changing so rapidly, probably more than ever before. Where do you seek a lot of your ongoing inspiration for the work that you're doing? And how do your team sort of keep up to date with that as well? We're kept up to date by suppliers. I mean, that's, mm. that's one way. I mean, there's so many new materials available and, you know, changing all the time. And suppliers come to us, which is fantastic. And we, we try and set aside, you know, when we are all working together, set aside a day, a fortnight or a lunchtime a fortnight where suppliers will come into the office and do a presentation. The other way we keep in touch with things is design newsletters online, magazines, mm. that sort of thing. Looking at online at what other architectural practice and design practices are doing in Australia and overseas. Do you find that a lot of the Australian trends tend to come from overseas, like it does with fashion? Some of it does, but I think we're also, you know, quite advanced in a lot of areas of design mm. in Australia. Mm. We have our own distinct style. That's great. At what point do clients typically engage with your services? And I, and I guess that can be different for, you know, every project, but, you know, looking at the retirement and aged care sector, at what stage do you they normally engage with you? Normally it's quite early and we prefer it to be early on where we can still have involvement in um, early planning. So important. And have effect on the, on the planning and the interaction of spaces and the three dimensions of the space. If we're brought in at a much later stage, we can't have an effect on the three dimensions. Mm-hmm. It's more looking at designing elements within the space, but we like to be involved early on so we can massage the space, get involved with the other consultants with regards to lighting and have an effect on ceiling heights and ceiling design as well. It does vary from project to project, but really our most successful work, I think, has been when we have been brought on at a very early stage. So basically in conjunction with uh, the architects and the project team at the very, very infant stages. Yes, that's right. And I think it's, it's successful for a project too when the architecture, you know, there's not a cutoff between the architectural design at the front door and the interior design, that there's a flow that merges between the two. Actually, I know um, you've recently done, obviously, the terraces at uh, Paddington. You were involved very early on with that project, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Very much an example of where the exterior elements and materials flow into the breezeways and and into the um, main foyer space. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning, that design and village. So well done. Look, one of the things I absolutely love in learning more about you and your team is your business values of excellence, creativity, collaboration, purpose and passion. They were things that really resonated with me. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what each of those mean to you and, um, you know, was it you that came up with that or was it a team effort? That was a really interesting process. We had worked with a marketing consultant. We did a series of interviews with us all, really yeah. and together, and these were the things that resonated as a group with us all and, and she picked those out. And so, yeah, it's an expression of, of us as a team. We look at those elements in everything we do. And that, so that also led to the tagline that we use in the business, which is enriching, enhancing, enduring. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and it's, we try and look at those elements and how we can apply those elements in everything we do. Have you ever had to, in a team meeting, basically really come back to those um, core values and sort of like pull yourselves up and sort of say, look, does this really sit well with those values? 
Yeah, and we even have discussion around promote that ourselves to say, okay, well, we're doing, you know, for example, particular finish here or design. What's enriching to the people who inhabit that space in that design? What's enhancing and is it enduring? Mm, that's fantastic. I love it. Well, there's such wonderful values to live by um, and certainly build a business around. Look, aged care and retirement living is no doubt a very big part of what you do. How did you start in the sector? And do you remember your first job? Oh, yes. I remember <laughs> my, first job. Uh, my first job was for RSL Life Care at Narrabeen and it was a refurbishment project and then that led on to doing Peter Cosgrove House for them and then several other projects at that site and up and down New South Wales coast. Getting that work actually came from having experience across hotel design, healthcare design, as well as commercial and merging those two elements, which sort of brought the level of interior design detail, but with the healthcare experience, had the knowledge about durability of materials and specific requirements for those healthcare areas. Because you're right, I mean, just so different to residential when when you're planning for longevity and um, everyday use, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And shortly mm. after that project, I did the interiors for Samosa's Montefiore in Randwick. Yes. Home for them, which really, at that time, it's now 15 years old, 15, 16 years old, really set a benchmark in, you know, a luxurious aged care facility. I haven't seen that one as of yet, but uh, no doubt beautiful. Just out of curiosity, how long would you say the longevity of an uh, interior design lasts in, in a facility such as that? Well, that one is, as I said, it's 15, 16 years old and they've just they've had to replace some of the carpets. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, it's, it's quite a classic design in detail. So the public spaces still stand up well today and are well recognised. Not ageing, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, not, not too fashionable so that it becomes tired in a couple of years. But certainly mm-hmm. material choice, most of the public areas, you know, they maintain the building beautifully and it's still looking great today. Good to hear. Well, look, there's absolutely no question that you are really highly regarded within the industry, which I think is fantastic. But what do you believe sets Gilmore Interior Design apart in what you offer? I think that we're flexible in our approach. We listen to our clients. We're good at creating a brief because it's surprising how a lot of people don't really understand what they're looking for. And that's been the case, you know, even from large companies who've been through this process a number of times, but not with us. It's really interesting to get to the depth of what their vision is for the project. And I think we set ourselves apart because we know what questions to ask to formulate a good brief and to represent that back to the client in a visual way that gives them a synopsis of what they're going to get. Who are the stakeholders that typically, I guess, make those decisions with you? Because I know like um, from the sales front, quite often there's conflicting, you know, you've got your project team, you've got your senior management team, you've got uh, sales, you've got marketing and everyone's got their own idea. So what happens in a design element? It'll be the CEO, it'll be development manager. Okay. And I think importantly, it's usually one of the care managers and also maintenance manager. Which is so important, again, because um, obviously they're living the day-to-day life of repairs and uh, durability. And I think quite often you see that your maintenance staff uh, do tend to get left out of some of these critical conversations. So that's just so good to hear. Yeah, it's really important that at early stages there all of the stakeholders are involved in that brief. Mm-hmm. It saves a lot of time and going backwards and forwards and 
ultimately it's, it saves money. Which is important to all operators. <laughs> well, look, what have you seen as some of the most significant emerging trends and changes in the design when it comes to aged care and retirement living? I think one of the biggest changes in retirement living is that we're very close to the point where a retirement living development will not be discernible from any other residential development. Absolutely. You can see that, you know, happening year by year, can't you, where it is really is becoming take apartment living, just looks like any other residential apartment living, but designed for ageing in place. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that really shocked me, and I know you were at the Leaders Summit back in March this year, uh, was when Chris, in his opening introduction, basically um, shared with us that in the previous 12 months, over $9 billion had been attributed to the resale of vacant stock in existing villages, which is just mind-boggling. Yet what we're still seeing is that operators are trying to sell old, outdated IOUs that aren't really meeting those demands and expectations of today's client. What are you sort of seeing as uh, the innovation and change in this space and how are you helping operators, I guess, to maximise the turnover of their older stock? I guess it's about reviewing the offerings in the surrounding areas and looking at what needs to be done to that property to bring it up to comparable properties in the area. You know, we've done a lot of refurbishment work with Presbyterian Aged Care and most recently a property for them that they have at Stockton, which has been upgraded and just looks like 100%. The building still had value, but it needed refreshing. The lighting needed to be improved. We met, There were planning changes made um, in communal areas. So it's about though changing the property so that the community were able to have better access into the development, upgrading of finishes and replanning where possible. Coming back to my area of passion sales, like quite often I um, get surprised at the reluctance of some operators wanting to put in $10,000, $20,000 to refurb an apartment. By doing that, potentially it could get them another, you know, eighty, dollars $100,000 um, in the sale price. And I guess it's one of the things that we certainly try to encourage them. Are you doing that sort of in your space as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's like any sale, you know, any real estate sale. If you present something well, it's going to sell. It's like, you know, I can't think how many times we work on a development and it'll be the um, apartment which is furnished, which sells, and then you're, you're moving that furniture to another apartment and that sells. Without question. And um, I think, you know, when we look at it from an operator's point of view, it's it's the downtime. It's how long that, that empty stock is sitting there and, you know, what that is also costing them financially as well. And, you know, we've just done that recently on one of our projects where we've just constantly moved the display furniture and almost, I would say, within two or three days of moving it, the apartment's, you know, sold. So I agree with you more on that, Jenny. But look, as a designer, um, what do you believe is the difference between a good aged care retirement living space and a great space? I know you've got some pretty strong views on this and really keen to hear them. Yeah, I think a great space in aged care or retirement living is one that allows an ease of movement through the facility and movement which is unimpeded for the residents. Mm-hmm. So it's supporting those people to live their best life in that facility. Access to natural light is really important and also access to their communities so that they're not isolated. Also flexibility of use of spaces and allow the design allowing that flexibility is really important. You mean like a multi-purpose style room where they can, you know, eat or then get together and play games? Um, A design that allows a room to be upsized or downsized. Access to nature too is really important. 
so that there's ease of movement from inside to outside landscape areas. And look, we, we've certainly seen that that's really important, um, particularly people coming out of their homes of 40, 50, um, sometimes longer years where they've had, you know, the large block and garden and, um, you know, downsizing into these smaller either apartments these days or villas. I couldn't agree more with you that it's just such a critical part of the design. I think a great design is one that appeals to all five senses. That's um, very, very true. <laughs> Look, I was reading the other day about the lessons that COVID has reminded you about in business and, um, again, really resonated with me. Can you just share those with us and tell us what that's meant to you? The first was communication mm. because we are isolated from each other at the moment. It's important to keep the communication going and that might be with, well, we have a weekly Zoom meeting but then there's usually you know, daily catch-up calls with each other. Just realising that we're all in this together, it's important to, to refer to each other still on a daily basis keep everybody's morale up as well especially now that we're not able to keep the office open for quite a while we were but at the moment we are all working from home so it's more important the second was to have order and purpose i've always i like to plan my day in the morning and i'm a great list maker <laughs> that does not surprise me <laughs> but i think also, when you're isolating, it's it's good to have that sense of purpose and um, make a list and tick it off and look at what you've achieved during the day and then set more tasks for the following day. So true, so true. Third? Sharing with everybody. When we share, we gain. And I was really delighted at the beginning of COVID when we received a lot of calls from other developers and builders that we weren't working with currently but had worked with before. You know, just to have a few calls from people just to see how we're getting on. Oh, that's so encouraging and beautiful. Yeah, it's been important to keep in touch with other people in business, just to have conversations with people, see how they're getting on and let people know we're here, we're available when they need us. I think it's the one thing that um, COVID has definitely reminded that, you know, we, we do need to be there for one another. We need to, you know, encourage each other and lift each other up and um, be a little bit more understanding. Yeah, absolutely, because we're all going through the same thing. And the other thing is my business is only as good as my team. Together, we can achieve so much, and I have so much admiration for the people who work for me. They're a great team. And I'm sure that goes back the other way as well. But, you know, that good old saying is there's no I in team. Couldn't be, you know, further from the truth, could it? It takes every member of the team to deliver a great outcome for our clients. Well, Jenny, there's no doubt running a business, particularly at the moment uh, with COVID, can take a, a toll. Share with me, how do you recharge I recharge through daily exercise, important. My husband and I go for an hour walk every morning and I find that really just helps clear your head, sets you off well for the day. And I recharge also by spending time with my pets. I've got two dogs. Oh, what are they? What, what sort of dogs are they? They're Maltese Shih Tzu. They're, mm-hmm. they're about to turn 16, so we don't go for walks that are as far anymore. <laughs> there's always that great affection from animals and I love to just chill out spending time with them. And also getting into nature, like we, my husband and I enjoy gardening and I find that really relaxing. I love plants, so mm. that's a good recharge. I can see some beautiful flowers in the background there, so you're obviously a flower lover. <laughs> 25 years on, what advice would you give your younger self if you were starting all over again? I think I'd just say go for it. Mm. Don't hold back, just go for it. Look, that's how I feel. Like, you know, we're not going to be ever perfect in anything, but it's about giving it a go and 
taking the opportunity with both hands and running with it. And, you know, along the way, we will get criticised. Along the way, we'll get obstacles. But, you know, you've still got to give it a go and, you know, do the best that you can. Yeah. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Exactly right. But if you don't try, a lot worse could happen. One of my favourite questions to ask is, who would you say has been your biggest uh, supporter or fan club? Uh, I'd say my family has been a great source of strength over the years and my husband and I have a great business coach I've worked with for over 15 years and also clients, return clients. There's something about that when you get the repeat business and that ongoing relationship and, you know, mutual respect with them, isn't it? Where are your family living? Are your family all in sort of Sydney ACT or? They're Sydney ACT in Adelaide. Okay. So you haven't been able to see the Adelaide family for a little while? Not for a while. We were able to do a trip earlier in the year, which had been deferred from last year with my sister and her husband who live in Adelaide. And that was fabulous. We spent a week with them in um, country Victoria. Oh, beautiful. You got any uh, big trips planned for uh, when this is all over, whenever that might be? My passion is travelling overseas. Where's your favourite place? I have to say, well, I love Asia. So I love Bali, Singapore, and apart from that, it would be Paris would be my favourite city. Lovely. Love Paris. Beautiful. (laughs) I had um, a a cruise booked, a beautiful cruise with Pona, which I had to cancel. Um, So I'm going to have to try and rebook that in the next couple of months. Any words of advice that you can give any budding designers uh, potentially wanting to get into the industry? I think maintain a sense of curiosity and willingness to learn. Look at what other designers are doing and um, I think you need to be adaptable, be a designer and, and also resilient. And it's important that your values align with the design company you want to work with. Fantastic information and guidance there, Jenny. Well, look, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I'm sure that everyone listening has been able to take away some great tips and been inspired by your personal journey. If anyone is wanting to reach out to you online, what's the best way for them to do that? Probably email is um, best for me, which is jenny at gilmoreid.com.au. Fantastic. Uh, And I think you're on LinkedIn, so they can possibly reach out on LinkedIn as well? Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, look, you and your team, stay safe, stay strong, and we'll certainly look forward to seeing you face-to-face, hopefully, in the coming months. But thanks again for having the chat. Oh, thanks so much, Ali, for the opportunity. You're welcome. Gilmore Interior Design is a full-service interior design studio. Based in Sydney, their multi-award winning studio is built on creativity, collaboration and exceptional service. To find out more, go to www.gilmoreid.com.au.